Hello, and welcome to my lecture series. My name is Nick Lugo, and thank you for being here. Before we get started, I just want to give an explanation or a reminder as to why you're here and why I do these lectures in the first place. It may seem true to you that the reason to come to one of these lectures, or a lecture in general, is to learn, and you wouldn't be wrong, but it's much more than that. You're here to act. The learning part is obvious, but not the acting. Often, I, more than anybody else, know how to act, but simply just don't act. For example, it's not a groundbreaking discovery that going to the gym is important. This is something that we all know. Yet, the hardest part is, and I'll say it again, action. As you know, the lectures that I'll take you through are hero stories, and there is much to learn from them. Therefore, the first lesson to learn from these stories and these movies is a simple one, one that you already know. Heroes follow their heart. They don't think about following their heart. It is action that separates the heroes from the rest. The goal of this lecture is to facilitate thought and action, as the two are so desperately intertwined. Therefore, I make this statement that I say with absolute conviction. If this lecture series does not change the actions you take in this world, then I have failed you. This idea of action is one that I explore with incredible depth in these lectures. Finally, if you're looking for a more direct way to act, I suggest you check out my new book, Breaking Your Bad Habits in 150 Pages, A Hero's Journey. My book takes these abstract lessons and applies them directly to you and any bad habit or human weakness that you might be struggling with. I place you in the shoes of a hero and show you how to be both a thinker and a doer, all in 150 pages for those of you who don't consider themselves readers. You can find the book on Amazon by searching it or by clicking the link in this video. Now, let's get on to the lecture. Hello and welcome. This is Star Wars Prequels Lecture 2. And, well, you might be wondering why right here I have a picture of the Lion King in a Star Wars lecture. But, well, they all go together. And I'm going to explain to you exactly why I have a <laughs> Simba in a Lion King lecture. So, we talked about last lecture, first of all, right, the very simple idea that Anakin is the divine hero, right? He is the, he's the redeemer of society. He's going to be the one to bring, well, balance to the force, you could say, but he's just going to make society better, right? He's going to do that for society, and, and we're happy with that, right? Like, you know, a child comes into the world, well, in real life, every single parent is always happy to see their child, or you'd hope, and... The reason for that is because of that reason. You look into their bright eyes, their full potential ahead of them, and you say, wow, there is so much that this child can do. And, well, the reality of it is, well, there are two different paths that, or two different cultures that this child could see, and there are two different ones that he could face. The first one is the one that I just explained to you. It's very simple, right? He's a slave. Anakin is a slave, and the... Well, society that he is raised in, the culture in which he is raised in, doesn't support his talents. Even though he's a very talented kid, and that's, well, what we all are. You know, he, he creates C-3PO and wins a pod race. He does all of these incredible things. The idea is he's not really supported in his culture. 
Same goes with Harry Potter. You have these parents that say, no, no magic, right? The thing that makes you, we'll say, special, right? Whatever it is, right? You, if you apply this to yourself, it's whatever it is. The thing that makes you special, don't do it. Don't do it because, well, the best reason is because it's going to make you stand out. And if you stand out, well, that's a problem, right? You could say that's a good thing because, you know, well... The positive culture would say that. It's a good thing because you get to express your individuality. But the problem is if you stand out, then you're taking a huge risk. You're taking a huge risk. And one of the things that we really do in society is we, well, we don't want to take too many risks. We want to keep good order because well, <laughs> that's unfortunately why conformity exists. If everybody was perfectly themselves and acted completely on their own individual will, then, well, chaos would ensue. There would be no structure. There would be no order. It's easier to have a leader and to follow the leader. That's something from the net. That's something that someone from the negative culture would say. And when I say negative culture, I mean, well, bad culture. One that suppresses the individual talent. And well, this is where it relates to the Lion King, right? What does it mean when you take a child and you hold him up high? The sun is literally shining upon him and you have all of the people in the kingdom bowing before him what does that mean right that means he's born in a culture in which he is supported he's born in a culture in which he is loved and his let's say talents skills and individuality is going to be well expressed it's going to be supported it's going to be well treated as the divine potential in which it really is and that's the culture in which Anakin is now bringing himself into. You see, he was born as a slave, but what happens is now that he's chosen the second culture, he's chosen the culture of being a Jedi, well, the second personality, or let's say the second culture in which he has uh, put himself in, is a good culture. It's a culture that supports his talents. It's a culture that says, you have midi-chlorians, you have divine potential, divine potential within you, and... We're going we're gonna to nurture that, and we're going to work with it. And Well, you can make the case that this is, this is something that... Huh, it's, it's funny because there are two archetypes, and they hit on both of the archetypes. So Anakin is someone that you could relate to no matter what. It doesn't matter, and, and it's, it's a really simple idea. You take the idea of school, right? You could say, and you can make a very strong argument, that school suppresses your individuality. It's a... Our, our entire school system is designed based on the Prussian model, which is literally, let's get people into factories. Let's get them on a clock, right? A bell system in which they're following orders perfectly and essentially working in perfect synchronicity with the bells. And, well, that's what, that's what a factory was in the 1920s. And, Unsurprisingly, the school system that we created was in the 1920s during the Industrial Revolution. So you could say that when they decide to teach you things like math and old literature and all of these things, physics, like the things that you really don't want to do, they're suppressing your individuality because, well, what if you want to be an artist, right? What if you want to, if you really want to go and do whatever, right? Travel the world, whatever, whatever you feel like your calling is. School often doesn't support that, and you could say that that is the tyrannical culture. That is the culture in which all of us exist in. And it's not a terrible argument. You know, there was a, there was a great quote, I think it was by Seth Godin. He said, he goes, 
When your doctor is performing surgery on you, are you going to ask him if you read Great Gatsby in high school? Right? Are you going to ask him if he, if he, you know, if he's proficient in physics or if he's proficient in, you know, pick unrelated subject? And, well, it's a good argument. It's, it's, it's a strong argument. It's like, humans weren't designed this way, right? You can make this, you can make a strong case to say humans were not designed to, when they were, when they were six years old, be put down in a chair and ma made to sit there for eight hours a day and learn things that they're not interested in, and then do that for the rest of their life and then go into a job that they don't like. It's like 85% of people hate their jobs worldwide. 85% of people hate, hate. That's according to a Gallup poll. And it's like, well, you could say that's the negative culture right there. And well, there you go. But you could also say, and if you want to flip the argument around, you could say school is a positive culture, right? It's a positive influence on kids. It gives them order, it gives them structure, and at the same time, they're definitely they're definitely still allowed some room to explore their individual needs, right? You're required to have art classes, you're, re you're required to have Spanish classes, you're required to have literature classes, even though literature, you know, you could say, why should I read The Great Gatsby? But there's a strong case to be made that you find yourself within The Great Gatsby, and that's exactly what these stories are about. That's exactly why I'm doing these lecture series. I personally have found myself in these lecture series. In these in these movies, in these books, so um, so there's there's a case for both sides. It's just really a matter of how you view it. That's a good way of looking at it. So, so this is good, right? So this is good. We could say that one of the personalities in which Anakin is is struggling is well working with now is he's ditched off the negative culture and he's found his tribe he's found his structure he's found the culture in which he wants to invest in and you know that's a really that's a really practical piece of advice it's like even if there are cultures that don't fit you right the school culture maybe the i don't know the culture in which your parents raise you right suburbs urban rural whatever there's always a different culture. There's always multiple cultures that always exist at all times, and all you have to do is find a different one, and that's what Anakin does. So now he's in the good part of the galaxy. He's in the place where this is Thor right here, right? It's a representation of the good culture. Same for Batman Begins. It's like they teach you the right lessons, and another thing is they pick you up when you're down. It's like that's that's exactly what Batman is, and... um if you watch the movie Batman Begins, you have someone like Thomas Wayne, you know, the, the good father who's going to, well, support you whenever you mess up, but also give you the freedom to express yourself. It's like, good job. And, and that's good. Let's move on to the rest of the world. So the rest of the world is, now we'll ask, what are the Jedis, right? The Jedis are a really, really interesting breed because they're not the rulers of the world. You know, you think about your traditional Disney story, and the traditional Disney story ends with somebody with a, a prince, you know, a prince becoming a king, or a princess becoming the queen, or whatever, right? You know, you think of Aladdin, Aladdin becomes sultan, Lion King, he becomes king, you know, um, Sleeping Beauty, he the Prince Philip, I think, becomes king, right? All of these things end with somebody in power, and we're happy about that. The idea of the Jedi is almost completely the opposite. They say to live a good life, Power is something to be feared, or at least power is something to be warned against. And 
it's an it's a tough idea. It's a really really tough idea. And explain I'll explain to you exactly why. There's this book that Friedrich Nietzsche wrote. It was called Thus Spake Zarathustra, and one of his one of his greatest books. And he had this he had this story in there where he said that Zarathustra, the main character, he's right. Thus spake, thus spoke Zarathustra. He went. He decided that he needed to go seek more wisdom. So he went into the mountains, and I think it was for 20 years, he just interacted with the world and became the wisest person in the world. So he says, wow, that is incredible. I am the wisest person in the world, but now I need to share my wisdom with the world. So he does that. He climbs down from the mountain, and he says, I am going to go into the local town, and I am going to spread my wisdom. So that's what he does. And, and actually on the path, he meets this old guy who says, you probably shouldn't do that. They're not going to listen to you. And, um, but he does it anyways, and he walks by, and he walks into the town, and he, and he preaches his wisdom and all of the things that he's learned over the 20 years of his in the mountains and, and all of his life experiences. And what happens? They laugh at him. They laugh at him. Because what's happening is he's speaking essentially a different language. He's speaking a spiritual language. He's speaking a language that, well, most people don't speak. Most people are encapsulated by the culture. Remember, 85% of people hate their jobs. It's like that most people are living in a, in a world in which they're not reaching their full potential, or at least not the divine potential in which they could have if they were, um, if they followed the path in which Anakin is on. And you say, so Sarathustra, he, he's, you know, gives his wisdom to the world and they laugh at him. They laugh at him and they tell him to go. And his final conclusion, his final conclusion after all of that and multiple different tests, multiple different trials was, I'm not going to be the ruler of the world. I'm not going to spread the wisdom to the entire world. I'm going to spread the wisdom to the people who will listen and what he ends up doing is he ends up creating essentially a small, a micro group within the entire group, within the entire world, and he decides to teach those people. And that's essentially what the Jedi's are. The Jedi's are, are essentially that. What they do is they sort of, well, they say right here, we are keepers of the peace, not soldiers. So they're kind of they're kind of sitting on the side. You know, you have this entire republic that exists. You have this entire governmental structure. And where do... Well, where does the Jedi, where did the Jedi exist in this structure? They're just a council. They're a Jedi council that has no power within the within the governmental structure itself. They just sort of give their wisdom, and that's that's a good idea, right? It's it's actually a very very strong idea because it says, well, not everybody is meant to be a Jedi, or at least not everybody is meant to. We'll say not everybody. Everybody potentially has the tools to be a Jedi, but not everybody becomes the Jedi. And they're a very special breed. They're the, we'll call them the superheroes, you know, because this is, this is essentially a superhero movie. And, well, one of the things that makes it so great is that, well, they exist inside of this structure, right? And we're continuing going on with this culture idea. The culture is a republic, which means democracy, right? Something that we recognize as good. And... Well, the Jedi's actually have their influence, right? It's actually it's actually going pretty good right now. Even though things seem a little bit, you know, there's always going to be problems. No matter what, there's the Jedi 
are allowed to exercise their freedom of, let's say, wisdom, right? Their freedom of wisdom. That's a good way of saying it. And then also, they're allowed to share that with the government. There's good communication between the government and, um, and the Jedis. And um, this is something that you saw in ancient Greece. Ancient Greece, it's really simple. It's, they, had, they had their governmental structure, they had their republic, and then they had the oracles, who were like those who were in touch with God, essentially. And the, let's say, emperor, I don't know, the king, something like that, would always consult with the oracle to, well, to see whether or not their judgments are too, well, human, right? Too flawed, too greedy. Um, we'll go, we'll go with greedy, right? Greedy, lustful, like all these, all these negative human elements, aggressive, vengeful, and well, they have their place. And that's exactly what the culture in which, in which Anakin is, is moved into. They moved to this planet called Coruscant and Coruscant is one giant city. And, um, And the meaning there is, well, you imagine something like New York being the entire country of America. It's like, would that be a good thing? Really ask yourself that. Would it be a good thing if New York City expanded itself throughout all of America? Get rid of all the, all the farms and we'd, be, we'd find a way to get food. Get rid of all the technicalities. No farms, no grass, no suburbs all concrete, all buildings. It's like, what would that look like? And well, that's, that's a little scary in my opinion. And the reason why is, is something like, well, the, yeah, the reason why is something like the Republic itself has become detached from life, right? Like when you think of when you think of the rural, when you think of grass, when you think of trees, right? You think of all these things that are don't happen in urban neighborhoods. What you have is something that resembles life, nature, beauty, all of these things. And well, if Coruscant is a, is a planet that's an entire city, they've detached from that. So we could say that they're ultra civilized, and there's a good and a bad that comes with that. One of the one of the bads and this is where we start getting into the bad ideas, is you have Supreme Chancellor Valorum, right? This is the initial chancellor. So he ends up becoming chancellor, right? This is the Sith, the guy on the right. But the guy on the left is the initial chancellor, and he never smiles, right? He's essentially a machine. He's, he's emotionless, and you can see it in his face. Like, he's just stone cold. And, um, well, in the Greek terms, right, that's the logos, that's the logic, and... It's a problem because when you do that, you're sort of, well, detached from life. You're detached from life itself, and that leads to corruption, right? The, the um, what's his name? Palpatine. Oh, Palpatine, right? Palpatine, he says, the Senate is full of greedy, squabbling delegates. And this start, starts to get into the bad culture, right? The, the bad part of the galaxy. It's, well, they're so detached from life that all they care about is things that we could say things that don't let me phrase this properly things that aren't in touch with life things that aren't in touch with we could say the people right the good of all the people it's more of like well 
if everybody's in a city, right? And here's here's the main problem with it, with cities is that people are too self-interested, right? It's too rational. And whenever you have a place that's too rational, people only care about themselves. It's like if you were to be a ridiculously rational person in your actual decision making, then you'd only act in terms of your, of your self-interest. Of course, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? And that's that's essentially the foundation for greed and Well, you could say that sort of that's the society in which we live in, right? We have a good society, right? We we have a strong we have a strong republic. Like that's that's something that's well it's debatable nowadays, but I think I think in general, we're we're pretty strong. Like we're the longest democracy that's ever been established, America. I think 250 years. It's like there is there is no current democracy that is that has been established for longer than 250 years. Most democracies are dead by now. When they when they were started, they just ended up dying out. And so we have we have the good part that comes with that, but the bad part is also well, there's a lot of greed in our society. There's a lot of corruption in our government. There's a lot of well problems, and you're never going to get rid of the problems, but you hope to get rid of most of them. And well, here's a good here's a good way of conceptualizing it. They say in the beginning, they say. So this is the um, the intro credits. The intro credits says episode one: the Phantom Menace. Turmoil has engulfed the Galactic Republic. The taxation of trade routes to outlying star systems is in dispute. And the first reaction that I had to that is, turmoil. Really? Really? Your your state is in turmoil because you have trade routes that are in dispute. Like really? And well that just shows how good it's going, right? That's actually it's a it's kind of paradoxical because it's saying turmoil is is going is happening because of some minor problem that's really not existing. So what what they're really saying is we're so used to it being good that something like a trade dispute problem is 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 considered absolute chaos. And well, <laughs> well, if if you've watched the whole series, which I'm assuming you have, if they say turmoil is going on now, then they have no idea what's coming. They have absolutely no idea what's coming as you go throughout these movies. So let's continue, right? And what is the reason why? Well, we could say that what is the cause of this quote turmoil? What is the cause of these problems? And the problem is, well, first of all, greed, right? You have these. These characters here, what are they called again? I'm terrible with names. Val. I'm sorry, I forget the names, but they end up becoming the separatists. Man, that's gonna kill me. But anyways, you have these these greedy um let's call them villains. Like they're like mini villains, and they are controlled by this rising evil, this god that's going to be coming up and it's going to be rising in. Well, the reason is really, well, it's, it's really simple, right? And one thing that we're going to watch as it sort of goes along is that as Anakin grows, so does the potential for evil, right? So right now, we could say Anakin is divine potential. Things are going very well for him. And evil is not developed, right? Because he's potential, right? So you could say his potential for good is strong, but he's never pursued anything. So it's just, it's just that it's potential. It's not even close to becoming a reality yet. And you could also say that his potential for evil is the same. It's not strong. It's, it's, we'll say 
it doesn't have that much of an effect. And you can see that it also it also happens in the Harry Potter movies. It's a very similar idea. It's like in Harry Potter book one, it's like it starts with Voldemort as a weak, frail being. And then by the time that you get to the last book, he's the most powerful being. And that's exactly what that's exactly what you'll see as it goes along. And the meaning there is really, really simple. It's a really strong idea. It's like you imagine that there are multiple paths in which you could go, right? I kind of explained this already. You have, let's say, the ultimate good, right? You could, you could do the best thing possible and you could be the best human, right? This is from the time that you're three. So let's say, let's say when you're, I don't know, young, you say you want to be an astronaut, right? And you want to, you want to go to Mars. It's like, okay, we could say that's the best potential good that you could be. If, you, if we were to say there's a million different paths that you could go on, a million different potential people that you could be, the best path is going to be you, roughly speaking, going and being an astronaut. And there's also the worst path that you could be. And that's going to be the representation here of Palpatine. That's a, that's a representation of, well, the worst evil. And one of the things that that is really interesting is that most people end up somewhere in the middle. Right? Like, you, re you really think about this. It's like, when in, in your life, or... Well, most people want to have an impact. You know, they, they have these dreams of what, what their life should be as a child. And then as a child, as a high schooler, as a, as a college kid, sort of with bright eyes, looking at the world. But, but in, the, in, the, in the final calculation, 85% of people hate their jobs. It's like, you could say the, you could say the best good possible is something like 15% of people and it's probably even less, even less than that. That's just the people who don't hate their jobs. It doesn't even know, it doesn't even mean that they like their jobs. So we could say that as good is rising, as Anakin's coming into as he's shaping his potential self, so is evil. And well, that's a that's a strong idea. That's why Harry Potter has the scar, right? The scar is something like, well, as a child, he was he has evil within him, and it doesn't really play that much of an effect in the beginning, but the scar eventually has a huge effect by the end, because it's, it's the evil within him. And you'll see, right, there's a lot of evil within you, and I'll, I'll give a lot of explanations later. So, now we have, let's go through basic plot points of, of, um, of Phantom Menace. You know, this wasn't really the greatest movie, but I really just want to kind of set everything up. You have the initial show of strength, right, really strong character, um, wins the pod race, called to adventure, he's called to be a Jedi, and then, um, and then now we get, now he sort of rejects or kind of hesitates to become a, um, to become a Jedi, and this is something that will, it's a, it's a very, very strong idea. He says, he goes to his mom, right, because what happens is, well, I'm going to say this in a universal sense, but this is true within the movie, when you, when you grow older, you have to separate from your parents. It's like, psychologically mostly but you could also say physically and Anakin's not okay with that right he's afraid of change and he says I don't want things to change and his mom who's essentially the mother Mary we've kind of figured that out she says but you can't stop the change any more than you could stop the suns from setting and well 
we'll get into this a little bit later because this is this is the this is the meat of the movie or of the meat of Anakin's character. The fact that he doesn't want things to change and well also you have this idea of the sons which oh my god this that's going to be great but so now let's kind of let's kind of give the steps, right? The steps of growing up, right? We could say first of all he rejects his parents. He he gets rid of his parents. Then step 1, really step 1 is going to be he adopts a structure, right? He finally chooses something to grow up on. And you could kind of map that out in your own life, you know? One of the things that that is unfortunate for humans and it's it's a problem. It's a, it's a real problem, but it's also it, it also has a lot of potential. It's like as children, we're too damn chaotic. Like we're too impulsive and well there are too many different lenses that you could view on the world because well, you could say, you know, first of all, you could adopt a structure, a plan, uh, an idea that life is inherently good or you could say that life is inherently bad and with that come a lot of presuppositions and well, the problem is you need to pick a structure. You need to pick a strong structure because if not, then you'll be essentially enveloped in chaos. And you'll think about that in terms of <laughs> think about it in terms of losing weight, right? Losing weight it's a really funny example because you imagine that what do you do whenever you decide to become a hero? What do you what do you do when you decide to be the Anakin essentially? The first thing that you got to do is you got you got to adopt a structure right? And that's what we do. It's Weight Watchers, Noom, right? All these different platforms to, to simplify everything. Because imagine there are how many different plans for weight loss? Let's say like a billion. We'll go with a hundred to, to simplify it. You have a hundred different plans for how to fix it. And you know all a hundred different plans because, you know, there's keto and there's carnivore and there are all these potential things. You could work out five hours a day. You could work out one hour a day. And, you know, there's all these different combinations. And, well, you can't do all of them, right? You can't do all of them. What you have to do is you have to pick a structure and stick with it. And well, that's what Anakin does. So let's say you pick Weight Watchers, right? And that's what uh, so Anika, Anakin picks the Jedi. He says, "I'm gonna I'm gonna use this structure to simplify the world." And we do the same thing with, let's go with religion, right? You know, you as as a child, you sort of pick a you pick a stance, whatever it is, right? And usually that's the one that that culture usually gives you. It's like, okay, when I was a child, I said I was Catholic, right? And I'm not really Catholic anymore, but. I needed that structure, right? I need that structure to introduce religious ideas to myself. Imagine if somebody came up to you as a child and said, well, here's Buddhism, here's Christianity, here's Judaism, and here's, you know, Muslim, and here are all these ideas. Pick which one you like. It's like, how am I supposed to know which one I like if I don't even choose one in the beginning, you know? It's a, it's a tough idea. And, um, it's like, well, you pick a structure. That's the solution. There's actually a strong... Yeah, I want to say it. I want to say it. This is this is going to be I'm going to I'm going to really develop this idea as we go along. So there's this, well, I think I explained it. There's a book called Thus Begs Zarathustra, right? Same book, and it's a different story within the within the book, and it's called Three Metamorphoses, the Three Metamorphoses of Human Development. That's what it is. And well, this is Nietzsche explaining how humans react and how humans behave. He says that through our lives there are three stages, three metamorphoses. 
and Anakin goes through all three. So I'll explain. The first one is you begin your life as a camel. You turn into a camel, and hopefully you're a good camel. And what is the job of a camel, right? You think of a camel is somebody who doesn't really think and just bears a load, right? That's all it is. He, huh, I think the, the quote was, he says, he gets on the ground and says, put a load on me. And, well, that's exactly what we do, right? You adopt this structure, right? Let's say you have a mentor and, um, or, or a culture or whatever, a religion, Weight Watchers, and you say, give me information, give me knowledge, give me structure, give me order, because I need all of these things, and I need to, well, become a... I, I need to retain information, because without information, I'm absolutely useless. And that's exactly what school is for, right? As, as children, it's like, we, as children, we are camels. We don't think, and we just retain information, because, well, first of all, how are you supposed to develop your own self if you don't know anything? So... That's the first step, and, well, we'll say the, the next few steps later, but that's the first step. You'll need that for now. And so, yeah, then you have this father figure, Qui-Gon. He comes along, and he gives him all these great lessons, right? That's exactly what he does. He says, your focus determines your reality, and that's sort of the idea here, right? That's, that's the idea of a structure. This is why we need a structure. You imagine that. want to boil it down you imagine that you're given all these choices and if you were to focus on on all of them then you'd really focus on none of them right that's that's the real idea you imagine that you know you spend some of your time focused on christianity sometime on buddhism sometimes on on you know pick the religion and well then you never you never know the fundamental cores of any of them same goes with same goes with weight loss. It's like, okay, let's say you use a little bit of Noom, a little bit of Weight Watchers, a little bit of that, a little bit of this. It's like, well, you really think that's you really think that's gonna work? It's like, no, you need you need to focus on something. You need to have your attention on something. And well that that actually therefore determines your reality. It determines how you see the world. Because well, if not you just be completely lost. So the next step, right? So that's the first step. Adopt a structure. The next step that you got to worry about, and this is this is something that's really important, evil rises, right? Evil rises. And I explained this a little bit, but I'll, I'll go a little bit more deeply into it. You have something like Palpatine who is, well, evil, right? And he's coming along, and you can imagine that, well, he's, rise, he's rising at the same proportion as good is rising. They rise at almost the same pace. And Do I want to explain that right now? I won't explain that right now, but... Actually, no, I'll explain that right now. This actually connects very, very well. So what you have is, you imagine that you pick a path, right? So the first step is you pick a path. The problem is, that path is somewhat flawed. No matter what path you're going to pick, it's going to be flawed. Let's say you pick, I don't know, Christianity. It's like, that definitely has its flaws. The same with Buddhism, the same with all of them. The same thing goes with with. Again, weight loss, right? You have these plans, and they have they have their intrinsic flaws. Whatever exists inside of them, no plan is perfect. If not, Weight Watchers would be 100% success rate. And 
So here's the problem, right? The problem is once you decide to pick a plan, let's say you go with Weight Watchers, the problem is that you also have to bear the flaws of that plan, right? Both of them go together. You can't separate the wheat from the chaff. And well, that's, that's a big problem. That's a huge, huge problem. And that's something that you see in, your, in our society today. It's like we have a strong reliance on Christianity. It's like, well, you could argue that it's good, but you could also argue that it's bad, right? You could say that there, there's a strong case to be made that Christianity is the hero of our society. There is so much good that has come from Christianity, and it's, it's ushered in an era of progress over the last 2,000 years. It's like you have a good case to be made there. And then you could also make this, the same case, right? You can make the same case on the opposite end. It's caused some of the worst tyrannies in history, and at the same time, it, it has enslaved millions of people and has caused, well, many of the problems that we see in our modern-day society, including repression, you know, homosexuality, um, the corruption of the church, all of these things. It's like they're both. Both exist, and you can't separate. When you adopt a structure, you adopt the good as well as the bad, and that's something that you're going to have to fight against, and that's exactly what Thus Big Zarathustra is. That's the idea in the three metamorphoses. So the first step is you become a camel, right? And you take in all the information. You take in the structure. Second metamorphoses, the second change, right, is you, you take your little camel self, right, your little obedient camel self, and you walk into the forest and you transform into a lion, right? And the reason why you transform into a lion is because, well... You have to fight that system. That system that you had, sure, it might have had, had some good to it, and it might have allowed you to become a human being and to, well, establish some sort of structure, but at the same time, it has its flaws. And, well, this idea of the lion. The lion, his job is to fight the golden dragon. He goes into the forest, and his goal is to fight the golden dragon. And, well, you could say that, well, so the, so the golden dragon, on every single scale that he has, it says, thou shalt, thou shalt, thou shalt. And the idea behind that is, it's a system of rules, right? The golden dragon is he who makes the rules. And you could say he's the structure, right? The very structure that just gave you the, the information is also the very structure that you must fight against. Because, well... The good information, you take and you integrate that into yourself, but the bad information, it turns into a dragon. It turns into something that could hurt you. And Nietzsche said this in, in The Three Metamorphoses. He said that so many people look at this golden dragon and only see the gold. They only see the positive aspects of it, and they don't look behind it and see the dragon. And, and that's the biggest problem. It's like you look at the, the dogmatic supporters of... Christianity, and we'll also we'll also give a political example because I think this is definitely very relevant. It's like you see the dogmatic supporters of the right, right? Like Donald Trump. They're you know you you see the people. It's like the the man on the street videos where they ask people and they're completely clueless and they're just completely ideologically possessed by whatever Donald Trump says. And then you see the same thing on the left. You have trust me. There's there's many many man on the street videos where the people on the left are just as stupid as the people on the right. And the reason is not the inherent structures, right? It's not, well, it could be, but in this, for this case, maybe we'll say it's not the structure. It's the fact that people are following the structure to the T. It's the fact that people are following every single word of whatever political 
whatever political, let's say, dogma that is thrown at them. And you could say that when they adopt an evil policy, right, when they adopt an evil ideology, whatever it is, they're adopting the golden dragon. It's something that they revere. It's something that they look upon as something golden. It's a rule, right? It's a thou shalt. It's a rule, but at the same time, it's a dragon. And, and the goal of the line is to be able to see be, beyond the goldenness, see beyond the authority that, that lies in the, in the structure itself, but at the same time, fight it, right? And fight the negative part of it. And then hopefully, right, if, you, if you're a good hero, then, well, you transform into a child, which I'll explain later, but you separate the wheat from the chaff. That's really what you're supposed to be doing in It's a very good idea. It's, it's a very, very strong idea. And you'll see that as sort of Anakin goes along. And, and I'll, I'll, I'll stick with that for now. So what happens is you have, I don't know if this is Padme or if this is Padme's like duplicate, but she says, you know, evil's rising, right? She says, I suggest new leadership is needed. And we have someone like Palpatine becomes the new Supreme Chancellor. And well, that's a problem, right? That's a problem. He becomes, he becomes, he gets his goldenness, let's say. All right. So now that we have that established, right? So we have step one, right? Steps of, let's say these are the steps of growing up as well as just adopting a new, well, system, a new goal structure, whatever you want to call it. It's, well, first case adopting a structure, right? And that would be represented here in essentially God the Father or more, more closely Qui-Gon, right? Just a father in general. Then you have the representation of the evil that lies within you that rises. And then, well, you have the representation of life. And pff, this is, this is, they did such a great job with this. And, well, this takes a lot of explaining because this is, this is really going to tie everything together. So step three is to embrace life itself. And well, I'm going to I'm going to explain this to the T cuz I think this is real this is the most important thing. So it's represented the idea of life, right? The idea that you could find your let's say life juice or let's say life we'll go with life juice, right? Like the thing that gets you up in the morning, the thing that gets you excited to live, your life energy maybe we'll say. Well, that's embodied in something, right? And in this case, it's embodied in the feminine. It's embodied in someone like Padme. And the reason why for this is really, really simple. First of all, well, <laughs> she is a she's an all-around character, right? That that's the thing that's that's really special about her it's like she does everything right she was the queen of naboo but at the same time she's kind of like this we'll say this servant character but at the same time she's literally she kind of does everything and you know the the whole thing about her is she wears different clothes in every single scene so like you watch in every single scene she's always wearing different clothes she's always in flux her decisions are always in flux and well she's full of energy she's full of life and well, that's sort of what you imagine the positive aspect of life is. You imagine that, well, it would come from a place like this, 
right? This is this is where Padme was born. She was born in a place of paradise. And you can imagine that's sort of what you're like whenever you decide to, well, whenever you're full of energy, whenever times are really going good. And I'll give you I'll give you a, a good metaphor for it, and then I'll, I'll give you the actual representation. So the good metaphor for it, I actually found in the movie Soul. I thought this movie was a it was a really peculiar movie because it, it explained this really, really well. So the idea is, well, we exist as, as these souls that are not really f fully formed yet, but there's one thing that turns you into a person. Like to actually be a person, there's, there's one thing that you need, and it's, and it's a reason for existence. It's life itself. You need a passion, and that's what they called it. They called it a passion, I think. Not positive. And, well, the entire, the entire idea is that, that there's this one person, right? There's this one character, the main character, or semi-main character, that just doesn't have the passion for life. She doesn't have excited, any excitement for life. She really doesn't want to live. Like, there's nothing that gives her that oomph, that spark. And, um, and by the end, she learns it, right? She, that this little, right, she has this little missing we'll say part of her, right? This little missing piece of her soul, you could say, because that's exactly what the movie is saying. And well, what ends up happening is it becomes complete and she gets a earth on it because she's the embracement now of life, of earth itself, of nature itself. And that's exactly what it means. So so now now I'll explain it in a, in a basic idea. A basic idea is something like this. Let's say you decide... And I do this all the time. Let's say you decide you're going to, you've been a little too crazy lately, right? You've been a little too chaotic and unscheduled, right? You wake up in the morning and you don't really know what you're going to do. You, maybe you're going to work and maybe you're going to watch some YouTube videos and you kind of just get lost into it. You imagine your day's too unstructured and that leads you to waste too much, too much time. So you imagine that you wake up one day and you say, I'm going to give myself a set schedule. I'm going to do it. So what am I going to do, right? Let's go through the entire thing. You say, first, I'm going to adopt a structure. Tomorrow, I'm going to get up at 8 o'clock in the morning and I'm going to work out for an hour, right? And then I'm going to get some work done. And then I'm going to do this. And then I'm going to take some breaks. And then I'm going to do all these things. And I'm going to create a schedule. I'm going to create a structure that, well, embodies step one. Well, then what happens is, you have this problem of evil, right? You have this problem of, well, you have this tendency not to want to follow the structure because, well, try it, right? Just try it and see how it works out. Try to establish a structure, say, okay, this is exactly how my day is going to plan out tomorrow and see if you actually follow the structure. It's not easy, right? It's really, really not easy. And then try following that for the next month. It's like, that's even less easy. That's almost impossible. And, um, and the reason why is because you, let's say you have this Let's, let's call it evil for now, right? We'll just call it the, the representation of, well, the thing that stops you from achieving your goals, right? That's, that's, a good, that's a good practical definition of that. And then the question is, what is the, what is the key, right? What is the thing that's, well, the most important is whether or not you actually embrace what we'll call life, but in, in a practical sense, we'll say, a meaning, right? An actual why behind why you have a schedule. Because think about it, you know, you, you, you adopt a schedule and there are many reasons why you could adopt a schedule, right? One of the reasons you could adopt a schedule is, well, I want to 
Well, we'll go with the good example. Maybe you say, I want to use it so I can better the world, right? And come up with some with some good, really, really strong idea of, you know, I want to start up a company or I want to, I want to you know, get my work done and, and use that to really better myself and become a better person. It's like, that's a pretty strong idea. Make it a little bit more concrete and you got something. Or you could say, I want to do it because, well, I get really tired of sitting around too much. It's like, it's not going to cut it, right? Same thing, for, same thing for something like money. It's like, you know, Money's a good motivator, but after a while, it's just like, you know, how much is it really, really going to motivate you? Are you really going to find that, that thing that pushes you, that energy? And, well, if you find a really good, a good, a good motivator, a good why, then you're embracing life. You find a passion. You find something that really gets your gears turning in. Well, it's, it's really different for everybody, but, but what you'll find is that there's some things that you really care about, you know, I have a friend who wants to be a lawyer and she really, really cares about, um, like climate issues and like that gets her gears going. Like if you ever say like, do this and it's for the climate, it's like, she's in it, she's going for it. And that's sort of the idea. It's like, that's the thing that gives her passion. That's the thing that gives her life. And it's represented for Anakin in a romantic relationship, right? Padme eventually becomes the person which you, in which she becomes, well, that's his reason for living essentially. And well, you'll know this if you get into an intimate relationship. Like, you ask the question of why is it embodied in the feminine? Why do you have Padme or the representation of life as a feminine character? And it's like, if you're a guy, which this movie is mostly tailored to, guys, get into a real deep, meaningful relationship. It's like, that's the only thing that you'll want, right? Like, your entire mind, your entire life will be encapsulated by this relationship because it's so damn meaningful. Like, there's so much that goes into it. And, well, you might even go so far as to say that that's your meaning for living or that's the thing that gives you the excitement to wake up in the morning. And, God, it's like, hopefully you have that experience. I hope you have that experience. And, well, I'll give you some other examples because I really thought this was a strong idea. In Dante's Inferno or Dante's Divine Comedy, he has this, he has his, we'll call it, we'll call it, was it his wife? Wife or girlfriend. And she is the representation of literally like divine beauty. Like she is the perfect manifestation of life. And, um, and she's the one who guides him to heaven. Right? Like, you know, the story of Dante's Inferno is that he goes into hell, and then eventually, at the end of the entire, well, he goes to the inferno, inferno, right? Hell, he goes to uh, purgatory, and then he goes to heaven. And the one who leads him to heaven is Patrice. It's, it's the woman. And she's really just the representation of life. Another really good representation of life I thought was really, like, Mary Poppins. Like, Mary Poppins is, well, you look at the influence that she has on Mr. Banks, right? She literally gives him life. She gives him a, a reason for living in. Well, I like that. I really like that idea. So, so for all intents and purposes, throughout these lecture series, when I talk about Padme, I really don't want to talk about Padme as the representation of romantic relationships. Because obviously they get into a relationship and there's, there's all that stuff that happens. But Let's look at her from a broader perspective. Let's look at her from a more practical perspective and say she is the goal that you actually care for. 
right? The goal that you actually want to strive for and the thing that gives you excitement to wake up in the morning. So you can imagine this as, well, if you want to start up a company, right? If you want to be an entrepreneur, it's like, that's the thing that gets you up in the morning. That's the life. That's the life that exists within you. And well, the goal, I hope that you embrace that, right? If you're an artist and you really want to go and strive for, you know, being an artist, being a musician, being a whatever, <coughs> then it's like, that's, that's the representation of Padme. No matter what it is, right? No matter what you really want to think about it. It's like whatever you whatever really gets your gears turning, you can think of Padme as that. And I'll, I'll, I'll keep reminding you sort of as we go on. And then the final step, and this isn't really the step, but this is the last thing that happens in this movie. And this is the end of movie one is very simply his father dies, right? The structure in which he was, in which he was given right? The structure in which Anakin was given, Qui-Gon, right? In the representation by, represented by Qui-Gon, dies. And, well, this is the, this is akin to death of the father. This is akin to every single super, super heroes, parents dying. Batman, Spider-Man, God. Why can't I think of any more? Iron Man, Thor, not Captain America. What happened to his parents? But anyways, right, you think of all these uh, Simba, Simba and the Lion King, right, all of these characters, their parents die. And what is the meaning behind that? Meaning behind it is essentially, well, hopefully you have adopted the structure. Hopefully you've taken the lessons from your parents and adopted them into yourself. So instead of having, let's say, uh, Qui-Gon representing the personality of structure you just adopt a structure with yourself and you're a structured person right but and that's that's the idea of the multiple personality theory it's like hopefully right you take all the personalities that are good and you adopt them into your main personality and that makes you a good person right that makes you someone who is let's say if there's a per a sub personality that exists within you that represents honesty it's like hopefully you integrate that honesty into your consciousness right into your personality and you become an honest person but we're gonna have a problem and this is the big problem with anakin it's like his father dies and he's not ready he's not ready he's not trained and there's no real father figure left for him and he's gonna struggle with that that's gonna be the thing that he's really really gonna struggle with as he goes throughout this movie and throughout the series and well that's what we're gonna get into in the next series we're moving on to movie two and um and we're going to watch, essentially, Anakin's downfall and the reason behind it. So, I understand that this lecture is very encoded in very, like, symbolic imagery and a lot of highly complex concepts. So I really wanted to end this lecture on a very simple note and a sense of practical advice, practical wisdom to take out of this lecture. You asked the question... In the entire Phantom Menace, the entire first movie, what did Anakin get out of out of it, right? How did he grow as a hero? How did he grow? And the answer is really simple. Anakin got structure, right? He was in the wrong place. He was in the wrong, we'll say, you know, slavish culture. And he integrated himself into the right culture and found himself, well, a good a good base for his for his growth. And 
I think that's the that's the practical advice that I'm going to give. If you find yourself, and I know how relevant this is because I spend so much time dealing with this exact problem. If you find yourself struggling with chaos, if you find yourself struggling with the idea of disorder in your life, you know, something like wasting too much time and spending too much time, yeah, like doing the things that you know you shouldn't be doing, that you know you want to be doing something else. So let's say you want to you want to get off your phone for, you know, you want to stop spending so much on your time on your phone and go and insert blank, whatever it is that, that's there for you. And if you find yourself in this period of chaos, in this period of destructure, let's say, let's create a word here, and you find yourself, yeah, without, without any sort of balance, the answer that I would give you and the answer that the Phantom Menace gives you here is very simple. First, you need to adopt a structure. First, you need to, well... Pick a plan. Pick something that, well, will give order to, to this structure, to this, to this chaos in which you have, to this destructure in which you have embodied. You know, like let's say you really need to get some work done and you really need to stop procrastinating. It's like, what, do you, what should you do? It's very simple. It's like, make a schedule. And don't, don't make it a ridiculously crazy schedule. Don't make it a schedule that makes you work 14 hours the next day. Just... Just a little something. Just give yourself a little more order in your day, a little bit more structure, a little bit of a plan to to turn that to turn that we'll say childish instinctual problem, the, the problem that child children act on instinct and can't really control themselves, and that exists within us all the time. You take that and you you tame it, you control it. Then, very simply. Embrace life itself. Try to find something that's that's meaningful within it. Don't try to don't try to just do it to do it. Try to find something that actually makes you want to do it. Actually makes you try to, well, we'll say Well, be excited for it. Be excited for it. You know? Find find something meaningful. Find well, hopefully, hopefully something that gets your gears turning. And then finally, beware of the evil that's rising within it. Because every time you create a plan, there's always going to be some sort of flaw. This is an idea explored very deeply in the Dark Knight movie. If you're interested in that, that's a very, very great movie. It's like whenever you, let's say, go on Weight Watchers, right? Whenever you go on Weight Watchers, there's a reason why 100% of people don't succeed. There's a reason why a lot of people fall off. It's like there are forces within you that are working against you. It's not, it's not a system that's a problem. It's, it's, there is literally problems going on within you that, well, you're going to have to fight against. And, well, that's what Anakin's going to have to fight against, sort of as we go along. So, so that's my practical wisdom. My practical wisdom is try to find some sense of structure. If, you, if your life finds yourself, if you find yourself with too many instincts, going on too many instinctual pleasures instead of sort of, you know, ordered meaning, let's say, a different way of getting, we'll say, pleasure from the world, then then institute some sense of order and, and be cautious of, of the other two elements. Find life and beware of evil. So that is the end of the first well, the first movie, and we are going to move on to the next one to see how Anakin really, really handles this. So,
Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you liked it, please subscribe.